as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. And a happy St. Patrick's Day to all of our listeners. Hope you enjoyed some Guinness. Hope you wore green. I was at work. I did none of those things. Welcome to another edition of the Top Pair Podcast. It is me. It is I. I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. And with me, as always, in a very nice quarter zip sweater, it is Nick Maxwell. Nick, happy St. Patty's Day, bud. Happy St. Patty's Day, man. I opened up myself a little cup of whiskey. Um, Are you even Irish? Do you even celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Uh, I'm Irish once a year, and it's today. Nice, nice. Um, I had green in my socks, um, so we'll call it that I wore green today. Um, So yeah, we're back. It's been about nine days since we last spoke. We're recording Wednesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. So um, a lot of news, a lot of things to get to, but before we do that, you know know what we do? We start the podcast here with? The housekeeping. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Audio Boom. You can find us on the homepage of the A1 Sports Network. That's a1sportsnetwork.com. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at A1 Sports Network. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at top pair underscore pod. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein, two C's, two N's. Nick. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at nmaxwell01 or on Instagram at nickjmaxwell. Thank you very much. And before we get started, no, we will not be talking about the Gord Miller barstool debacle. I feel like that is nothing to touch. We don't need that. It happened. Here we go. So the big news of the day, coming out of Western New York, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I think the way they worded it was funny. They relieved Ralph Kruger of head coaching duties. He has been fired. He is out. And I think it was Greg Wyshynski who tweeted, yeah, believe me, Ralph Kruger, Ralph Kruger is relieved. So the Sabres are going to be looking for a new head man. I mean, you kind of saw the writing on the wall here. The Sabres have six wins this season. They've also been shut out six times this season. So they have met their, I think they're six, 18 and four. Um, after their COVID pause, it just completely, just the wheels fell off, skidded off the road, flipped a few times. It's just, to put it lightly, it's a dumpster fire up in Buffalo. And who would I rather speak to about the misfortunes of his team than Nick Maxwell? Nick, the floor is yours. I'm just going to sit back and listen. So let's go back to 2015. Yes. The Deepest of deep dives. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the core was gone. That great era that they had in the early in the late 2000s was is was officially over. And Tim Murray tanked this team and this organization like he was trying to punch a hole into Mother Earth. And we were promised there was going to be pain, but it was going to be worth it. And here I am. Still in a lot of pain, and it's really not worth it. Since 2015, they've drafted second, third, second, first, and eighth, I believe. And what do they have to show for it? A team that has gone from bad to promising, back to bad, and now just unwatchable. And that's just the only way I can describe them. You 
have a player who's arguably the most talented player you've ever had in your entire franchise in, in Jack Eichel, who's gone through Ted Nolan, who was there to help steer the tank, Dan Bilesma, whose ego couldn't even fit into the building on most days, Phil Housley, who had no backbone. Great player, bad Kruger. coach. Phil Housley. What? Great player, bad coach. Yeah. And then you have Ralph Kruger, who everyone said, yes, he's not an X's and O's guy, but he's the modern-day picture of what players want to play for. And I laugh at that statement more and more every time I think about it because when you watch this team now, these dudes do not look interested at all. He's pissing off star players. He's benching guys. He's burying contracts. He's trying to execute these systems that they just don't have personnel for. And I don't even think they've sniffed being near 500 since 2015. And now all the people talking about, you know, they need to hire this coach. They need to hire this GM. X, Y, and Z, it is a culture failure. Like, they are the new Cleveland Browns. Like, just the epitome of just crap. And I don't know, like, forget about X's and O's, and forget about, like, players, coach. You need a guy who's going to, like, completely revamp the culture. You need a coach. You need a GM. You need players that can help completely revamp this culture. And it's one of those things where people talk about, should they blow it up again? And at this point, I don't even know the answer to that. I really don't. You know, I love Jack because he tries his hardest to lead, and you can tell that it pisses him off that they're losing this much. And this organization has shown no ability to develop young talent. I'm talking about dudes like Rasmus Dahlin just looks lost. Casey Middlestat was supposed to be a great centerman. He can barely crack the lineup now. You got guys who are way over the hill, like Eric Stahl, trying to play second-line minutes. It's just, every bit of it is ugly. You haven't had a goaltender since Ryan Miller. And that was almost 10 years ago now to that point. Like, there needs to be, like, people can blame Ralph all they want. And yeah, when you lose 12 straight, man, you need to figure out a way to get a W. There's no excuse for that. But... This is like, I don't know if rebuild is the proper word. I don't know if like forfeiting is the right thing to do at this point. Because people keep saying, well, they're going to get a high draft pick. So what? So what? Why would I care? It's what, what you is your, Go ahead. What it, first of all, let's pretend they were great at drafting players, right? In a COVID-shortened season, you have no tape on these kids. You have no idea who's going to be the best player available at, at the first top spot. And now you're talking about an organization like has just wasted all the talent in the world. And I just, I, it just, I scratch my head. You have anonymous captains calling out the organization and saying they no longer watch Sabres games. How in the world do you just, do you just allow your alumni to let you think of yourselves as an organization like that? Like how do the Pagulas not have more pride in this? You know, they said they fired Jason Botterill because they felt like he wasn't a great communicator. And they promoted Kevin Adams because they felt 
Well, he, we knew he was going to be a GM eventually, and we thought right now would be a good time to start. Well, okay. No, that's just this is absolute lunacy in my opinion because now with COVID situation and the financials taking their toll, they're not going to do anything to revamp this team. They're not going to change their scouting staff. They're not going to fire all these coaches because the Pagulas are already still paying their last two head coaches and GMs money on a yearly basis. And so I don't know what you do from here. I really don't because what coach is going to look at this talent Look, look at this roster and say, hmm, yeah, that's the project I want to take on right now. I don't know. What GM or what scout or what assistant GM is going to say, yeah, I'd like to take my crack at that roster and that cap situation and those contracts. No problem. I don't, I struggle to find where they go from here. I really have no idea. And Don Granado. God bless the dude. You know, he's been an assistant at like three different levels for a long, long time. And he's a great dude. By the way, the fact they fired Steve Smith, they should have done that like 10 years ago. (laughs) This guy has hung around for like four coaches somehow. That guy should be shot into the sun for claiming to be like an X's and O's genius when these dudes just look lost on the ice. Nobody should hire that guy. But it's just, you know, Matt Ellis... For those of you that don't know him, he was a former Sabres player. He bounced around a lot between the Sabres and the Rochester Americans. A really good, hardworking, professional guy. Dan Girardi is their new assistant coach. Same thing. You know, spent a long time with the Rangers. Great. And he's just a good, Great. good, hard, solid, professional guy. And I mean, look, yeah, I, I have a list of coaches I would like to see them hire. But with how the Pagulas have been using their spending, I fully expect if Don Granado goes... Anywhere kind of close to 500, I think he ends up being the head coach next year and into the future. And I think we just continue this really awful, unfun, vicious cycle downward. Wow. And I just, I don't know. I really, I love to think that I have at least a suggestion to all opinions and bad situations that relates to the NHL. I just don't know. I really don't know when it comes to the Sabres. And it's sad because... As you can tell, my voice is starting to crack. That watching this team makes me just hate hockey. And I think I don't have anything to add when your last sentence is, watching this team makes me hate hockey. I mean, there's there's names out there. But like you said, I mean, is like a Michelle Therrien going to want this job? Is Claude Julien going to want this job? No. Is John Tortorella, if he gets let go, is he going to want this job? No. It's, I, this is Don Granada, Granado? Don Granado. Granado. It's, it's his job to lose at this point because that, that might be the worst job in sports right now. In the four yeah. major sports. I, yeah. I mean, I can't really think of like even the bad NFL teams right now, like what you're seeing with these new coaches, it's like. They got a ton of draft picks, and they got a lot of money to spend. Yeah, this like team you, is none of that. You could have even said like the Jets were the worst job in sports, but they hired. They made a great hire. Um, yeah, so and I they mean, have like four first round picks in the next like two years. Deshaun like, Watson. Deshaun Watson. Okay. Um, because worst case scenario, he goes to Miami. Who wants that? Um, but yeah, we'll finish up with the Sabers on this. I mean. 
the fact that they thought they bring in Taylor Hall was the big marquee free agent. Um, they bring in Eric Stahl. They sign guys like Cody Eakin, bring in Toby Reeder, Riley Sheehan to quote unquote shore up the bottom six. And then they, you know, just going back to Kruger, like you said, not an X's and O's guy. He was playing Jeff Skinner and his $9 million cap hit on the fourth line or outright scratching him. He promoted a guy I love in Kyle Opozo and his zero goals into top six minutes. It wasn't going to work with Ralph Kruger. And you knew, and the writing was on the wall. And, you know, I feel like this is rock bottom. I don't know how much lower you could get. I think they're there. That that's I, best case I scenario. Think, I think rock bottom comes when Jack officially demands the trade. I think that's when it hits because that's literally saying this is the most talented player we've had at the forward position since Alex McGilney. I mean, like a Hall of Famer type player, and for him to say, "I know you drafted me and you wanted me to be the leader of this franchise, but I just can't do it anymore." Like that to me is yeah. Wonderful. You know what? That's fair and point. the two things with like people saying, well, if they trade Eichel, they'll get a ton of stuff back. What makes you think with this team's drafting development history that they're gonna be able to capitalize on that? I just that's where I'm just like you don't like this isn't like a swap out and plug in and play like this is all like we built this we built this tower and we realized it's no longer functional. And it's going to take us a few years to just completely rip this down and start over. Yeah, I feel like they've been ripping it down and starting over um, since they stopped making the playoffs every year. And it's it's tough. It's it. I mean, listen, I'm I'm a Knicks fan. This is this is like when Porzingis got traded. It was like rock bottom. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't that isn't the case. I'm hoping Jack tries to stick it out. Um, you know, there's guys they can ship off. There is talent there. You know, Rasmus Dahlin, once he maybe gets coached up a little bit, can get back to what we thought he was going to be, reach his potential. Yeah. Dylan Cousins is going to be a stud. You know, they took Jack Quinn eighth overall. I have no idea how he's doing, but I'm, hopefully he's doing well. I mean, there's there, there's guys there. I mean, they have guys to they can trade. They can move Stahl. They can move Montour. They can move Taylor Hall, which we'll get to. You know, things like that that they can do. And it's going to be another teardown, and I'm sorry you have to sit through it, but I mean, and I, but and this thing too, like we go back to our our initial like picks of episode, right? Like I picked the Sabers to finish seventh. I didn't even think they were going to do that good, but like they've somehow gone lower than your expectations. Yeah, the fact that they've gone lower than like even that. Like, I wasn't picking them to make the playoffs. I was hoping they would be competitive and, like, kind of be flirting with playoff positioning towards the end of the year. Like, that was all I was hoping for. And now they're just, like, their own newspaper said they were the 32nd-ranked team in the NHL this year. Hey, no, there's only 31 teams in the NHL. That means they're one below that. They're below the 50-feet of crap line. They're below the Kraken, who don't have players yet. Yeah. So the way I see it, there's there's four levels in sports for teams. There's contenders. There's good. There's building something, and then there's trash. Right now, I hate to say it, Nick. I'm sorry. I love you. 
The Sabres garbage, are trash. Hot, stinking garbage. They're trash. It, but the problem is they have pieces to make you think they should be at least at building something. But that's management. That's coaching. You know, I don't blame Kevin it's, Adams it's, for this. Kevin Adams has had the job for 15 minutes. It's not his fault. It's No, but that's what I'm saying. It's culture. Like the people, C word. And it's, culture is the most overused word in sport. But I, don't, like, I don't even say it. It's the C word. Like, it's just, yeah, like it. it's just, I seriously think that these players walk into the arena every single night and say to themselves, well, we're going to we lose go again. again. Yeah, here Let's it just comes. We don't get hurt and it won't affect us long term, which yeah. is sad. And, and we, we can wrap it up with this. I mean, Kevin Adams said it. There was no – there's no bite. There's no joy in them playing. There's There was no motivation. And, I mean, he could say as much as he wants that it's unacceptable. It's been, like, etched into the Buffalo Sabres for the past six, seven years now. So it's going to have to be a widespread C-word change for them to figure this thing out. Yeah, and I just, you know, I had friends and stuff texting me names today, and these were all coaches where it's just like they're either they're either going to have the opportunity to go to a better situation or they're already in one, right? Like, I, I really don't know. I think this is end up going to be Don Granado's job to lose. I think best case scenario, they're going to end up coaching. They're going to end up getting like Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux or just like, I don't know. But... It's just something's just got to click at some point, and something's just got to be done internally. I don't know if you have to send these guys to therapy. I don't know if you have to get them all like Percocets, steroids. I don't know. It's just something. It's just finally got to change. We've resorted to drugs. I think we can leave it at that. <laughs> um, so moving on from the Buffalo Sabers after Nick's soliloquy he just gave us. Um, like that soliloquy? That was a ten dollar word. Um, Moving on to less happier news, especially for me, um, New York Islanders captain Anders Lee, it was revealed today in Lou Lamarillo's press conference, torn ACL tendon in his knee. He's going to be, he's already moved to LTIR, um, out for the regular season and the playoffs, but expected to make a full recovery for the start of next season. The opening of the UBS arena, you know the Islanders are going to want to have their captain on the ice for that. Um... Anders Lee was on his way, even in a shortened season. It was a vintage Anders Lee season. 12 goals. Uh, he had 19 points. Um, just gr- All his goals were about five feet and in. You know, just classic Anders Lee goals. You know, he's captain in every sense of the word, an absolute leader. He's a horse. He's big on the power play. And now the Islanders are in a tough spot. They lose their leading goal scorer. Um, they lose their captain more importantly. So, um, they've already entered, uh, Kiefer Bellows first round pick in 2016. They've entered him into the lineup and he's kind of softened the blow a little bit. He said three goals in three games. Um, but Lou came out today and you know, this is very uncharacteristic of a Lou Lamarillo run team. He came out and said, we're looking to make moves. Now, in the 9,000 years that Lou Lamarillo has been an NHL general manager, he, he doesn't say three words to anybody. And he came out and said, no, we're, we're looking. So now, does a guy, do they make a move for a rental guy like a Taylor Hall, a Kyle Palmieri? 
Do they pick up a guy with term like a Philip Forsberg, a Ricard Raquel? Another rental guy would be like a Mikhail Granlin. Do they go that route? So there's a lot of a lot of options that the Islanders have. Now, Bellows has done a nice job filling in, and Oliver Wallstrom has been shot out of a cannon after he, he scored one goal in his first 10 games, and he's got six in his last 12. So he's showing that he's the real deal. But losing a guy like Anders Lee, you know, a top-line winger, they they're gonna need some help. They're gonna it's it's tough to replace a guy like that, but with the options that are on the table, Taylor Hall, wink wink, Taylor Hall, um, it's something that the Islanders are gonna have to really see. Are we okay with maybe parting with a first round pick? Do we move both second rounders? We got in the Devon Taves deal. You know they have their two first rounders this year and next, and they have three second round picks. So they have a little. And now with at least $7 million going on the LTIR, there's a little flexibility there. So, Nick, what do you think? Do you think I'm crazy? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to target somebody with term. I think this is really going to be a rental year just because they're tight-ish against the cap. And even with LTIR, like as soon as the league, new league year starts, uh, whatever the hell that's going to be, yeah, God only they're, they're going to have to be cap compliant. I know they have, like I think, like Pellix and RFA – and yeah, Pelican and Bovillier are RFAs. Sorokin is an Bellos, RFA. And Bellos, I think, is an RFA too, right? Bellos might be next year. Um, but Bovillier, Pelic, and Sorokin are all RFA. Yeah, and Zizekas is a UFA. I remember seeing that the yeah. other night. Yeah, that's um, that horrifies me that he's a UFA, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, t- to my point, you know, I really do think – I really do think they're going to need to get, have a guy who can play in and around the net just like he can, right? Because I think that's something that Trotz obviously loves. And it's something where those are the types of goals and that's the type of playing style you have to have come playoff time. So I think Paul Mary makes a lot of sense. I think he's also somebody that you could put in on the second unit power play and you have a guy who can instantly just rip shots off the side for and he's and a long like island boy in that way long island boys from smithtown town over for me <laughs> um yeah but i i don't know i mean the whole thing i can see why everybody would want that trots trots probably wouldn't say no but he would probably he would probably have a very short leash with taylor hall watching taylor hall this year one, he does not look like the same player, right? His his biggest asset was always his speed and his ability to make high-end plays at that speed. And I don't know if it's just from his lingering knee injury, but it makes more sense to me now why more teams weren't really in on him this offseason. He just doesn't look like that same MVP player, MVP player that he was a few years ago. Now, again, if you have him on your third line and you're just looking for him to kind of just play – sort of straight ahead and play towards the net, then yeah, I think they could figure out a way to make that work, especially with their depth at center. But I'm not, I don't have a list of players in front of me that are UFAs. I think the Ricard Raquel one thing I think would make a lot of sense to me. Again, another right-handed shot, just like Paul Mary is. I would love it if they brought in Ricard Raquel. I would yeah. lose, it. lose and, it. And and the Ducks too, they have absolutely no incentive to, to use that guy. I mean, Getzlav is a UFA at the end of the year. They're, they have guys like uh, Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Max Comtois, like all those young guys they're going to try and want to give more minutes to anyway. Like I don't see why 
Bob Murray would be like, oh, no, we can't let him go to an Eastern Conference team on the other side of the country. Jeez. You know? So that, to me, that move, I think, would make a lot of sense. Um, So I just pulled up the Islanders on Cap Friendly. Thank you very much. Um, The RFA. So Bellows is an RFA. Uh, Michael Dalcole is RFA. Bavillier, RFA. Um, Adam Pellick, RFA. And Andy Green is a UFA, but he's 100. So... Um, and Ilya Sorokin is also an RFA. So it's, I mean, God, I mean, you, you gotta hope that they can give like Seattle a first round pick to take Andrew Ladd or something, because I mean, that would just be a nice $5 million right off. Yeah. The that or, yeah. That or the boy Chuck contract. Well, at least that's on LTIR. I mean, at least you have that, but it's, I mean, it's not. Not looking great. I mean, maybe at least somebody take Kalmarov or Thomas Hickey or something. Um, but anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, Anders Lee, LTIR. Uh, he's out for the rest of the season and the playoffs. It sucks. Um, his jersey is actually right, like, on my desk, like, to the right. I'm moving my computer so Nick can see it. I haven't moved it since he got hurt. I'm not going looks like, to. It looks like you're in a memorial. Yeah, I'm not going to move it. So, uh, I'm usually out for the year. Um, sticking with New York, I mean, we've talked about Buffalo and the Islanders, so might as well talk about the Rangers. Um, this has been a really negative podcast. Uh, we found out about three hours ago today that their entire coaching staff has COVID. It's either that they have COVID or they've been exposed to COVID, um, but they are on the COVID-19 protocol list. So, as Nick put it, I'm going to steal his line. You have the rare coach call-up from the AHL. Um, the entire AHL coaching staff is going to be on the bench for the New York Rangers tonight. Plus Chris Jury. And Chris Jury, who's in the front office. So why not just have everybody, you know, give it a – you want to give it a go? See what happens. Um, but what will soften the blow is that earlier – well, last week, actually, Artemi Panarin got back um, after he had to leave the team due to the con- – I want to call it a conflict or – whatever was going on in Russia with the false accusations of him. He's back with the team. Um, so that'll soften the blow a little bit to get your superstar back in the lineup every night. Um, Lord knows the Rangers could use him. So good to see that um, Artemi Panarin is back playing for the Rangers. Um, something I forgot to bring up before we started. Uh, Patrick Kane played his 1,000th game. Maybe we should have thought to bring that up. <laughs> we were getting to it. Were we? We were. Anyway. I'm making a face right now for people that can't see. Yeah, of course we were going to do it because I was just like, oh yeah. By the way, I'm wearing a Blackhawks hat and I was like, oh yeah, Patrick Kane. Maybe the greatest American-born hockey player of all time. The former number one overall pick. Played his 1,000th game with the Chicago Blackhawks. Someone reminded me the other day, like, there was a lot of doubt and, like, what if on who was going to be the first overall pick in that draft between him and James Van Riemsdyk. Can you imagine if the Blackhawks blew that draft pick where they would be right now? I mean, I don't know. It wouldn't be good. But, I mean, it's not like JVR is bad, but JVR is not bad. At I mean, JVR is having a great year this year, but, like, and he's been, always it's, a solid player. But, you're, like you said, you're talking about arguably the greatest American player of all time. Yeah, that would have been. A Con Smythe winner. Like, <laughs> that would have been like taking Greg Oden over Kevin Durant, like that bad. 
Um, <laughs> I feel like that's how you know what. That's actually a great comparison. Shout out to me. Um, yeah, Patrick Kane, uh, former Hart Trophy winner, Calder winner, three-time Stanley Cups, Art Ross winner, Conn Smythe. Says only a four-time All Star. How was that? What? How was that right? Oh, uh, because twice he, twice they didn't have it because of the because of the Olympics, and oh, then I think and, he's like opted out a couple times too. And I think like there was a lockout too somewhere yeah. in there. Okay, all right. Forget I said anything. Uh, but yeah, one thousand. Now he's at one thousand three games in the NHL. Um, one thousand sixty four points, decent percentage there. And he's having one of those years, you know, 30 games played, 42 points. So Patrick Kane is 32 now, which is crazy to say. Um, no real signs of slowing down here, Nikki. I mean, he – Connor McDavid was putting up so many freaking points. Like, I, I think know. I know. Kane's probably my MVP. Like, really? Well, the Blackhawks we, are we good. We've, Black we've been over this. Trash. We've been over this. The Blackhawks are good. Yeah, like – but I mean, he, he's just these random guys that he plays with, and they're always like he just always finds a way to stack up points and to make plays. It doesn't it's matter. Just, yeah. It just doesn't matter. He, he, he just has a different gear. I could probably score 10 goals with him. I can't even skate. <laughs> just be like, park yourself in front of the net. Just put your stick out like this. Yeah, if somebody, if somebody like knocks me over, I'd be like, right, everybody stop moving and I have to like crawl over to the boards and like. <laughs> Pull my like everybody stop, everybody stop moving. I need to get up. Um, but yeah, Patty Kane just doing Patty Kane things. Um, forty-two points, thirty assists. I mean, I don't know what this says about the about the Blackhawks. He's a plus six. Um, but yeah, just doing it over twenty, almost twenty-two minutes a game of ice time. I mean, this guy, he's what can he say? He's one of, if not the greatest American-born hockey player of all time, and it's a privilege to watch him. How do you feel about that? Privilege. I, I would, I 100% agree with that. And speak, speaking of greatness, as we move right along here, last night, right in my stupid face, Alexander Ovechkin, two milestones for the kid. The grade eight, what number was it? 718, I think it was? Yeah. Seven hundred eighteenth goal, moving him sixth all time. Sixth all time in the NHL all time goal scoring list. He is now behind Marcel Dion. Marcel Dion is at seven hundred thirty one goals. Uh, by the way, he passed Phil Esposito. Probably should have said that. Uh, but Alex Ovechkin now all alone at six all time with seven hundred eighteen goals, and his thirteen hundredth point. Also came in the same game last night. Feels like every time you turn on the TV and somebody's talking about Alex Ovechkin, it's another milestone. Yeah, and he just and the craziest thing too, it's like he's never changed, right? Like he's just finds his spot, finds his open patch of ice, and then he's just like, okay, pucks on my stick for a quarter of a second, and it's top corner, and there's nothing your goalie can do about it. Guess how he scores. If he doesn't, get, if he doesn't break Gretzky's record, I'm going to be so pissed <laughs> because he's been so screwed over by these lockouts and shortened seasons and COVID. It's just, I'm going to be so mad if he doesn't break that record. I think that just, it's just a testament to his greatness. I mean, the fact that with all the obstacles he's had to get in, you know, he's 718 goals. And this is like a down year and he's got like 13 goals already. 
This is a down yeah. year. Yeah. So Alex Ovechkin, I mean, and guess how he scored the goal? I'll give you a guess. One timer on his offside. Bingo on the power play. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, a bullet. I mean, Varlamov just Semyon Varlamov has had a fantastic year. He had nothing for him. Um, so congrats to Alexander Ovechkin, another milestone. 13 away from Marcel Dion, um, who whenever I bring up Marcel Dion, my dad always says, yeah, he was like 100 years old and over the hill, and that's when the Rangers got him. Because that's what, you know, that's like a very New York sports, not just the Rangers, just a very New York sports move to get somebody who's over the hill, but it's a big name. Um, yeah, people always forget that's the guy that owns all the goals, the goals record for the LA Kings. It's not Gretzky. Yep. It's Marcel Dion in the, the purple and yellow uh, sweaters that are beautiful. So... Alex Ovechkin, he is a hot on his heels. Um, very possible he could end up fifth all-time in goals by the end of the season. So rooting for Ovi, of course. So moving on from Ovechkin, um, I know you wanted to talk about this earlier, but uh, Joey Decord, backup goaltender for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Matt Murray, if, if you listen to his interview, he got his first career win against Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe he's a Toronto kid. Um before the game, you know, Matt Murray said to him, you know, something's not right with me. I'll let you know how I feel after warm-ups. So he kind of basically gave him the idea like, you know, warm up like you're going to play. And then Matt Murray came up to him and he said, I don't have, I can't go. He said, it's your net. And what does Joey Decord do? Nick, why don't you tell us? I mean, I don't remember his specific stat line for that game, but I know he made probably three or four real good saves moving side to side and... I mean, it's always got to be amazing when you're a Toronto kid and you're playing against the Maple Leafs. And then, obviously, like, I mean, not a ton right has gone well for the, for the Senators this year, but they actually have a really good record against Toronto for some reason. Yeah, they're, they're a team that they just, they, they're pesky sense. We say it every week. They, they find a way to beat these tough, tough teams. The way they just they they don't give up. They're scrappy. They they're fast. They're, there's talent. I mean, they, they're. I mean, Mark Rathot said they're going to be better than the Maple Leafs in two years. Oh, I would love that. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would just love that because I like the sense. They have so many guys that I like on that team that it's just, you know, I mean, who, who's to say? I mean, maybe they will be better than the Leafs in two years. So Joey Decord, that was just, and it was a cool scene. You could see. How emotional he was getting. Um, yeah. First just, goaltender from Arizona State. Maybe even first player from Arizona State to play in the National Hockey League. But he was the first goalie to ever get a win in the NHL. I didn't know that he was the first goalie from Arizona State to get a win. That's awesome. Just another feather in his cap. You know, the first one's always the hardest. So, you know, good for him to get his first win, especially in his hometown. Um, so, moving on to a little less happy news um there was news i believe it was out of the khl um i i apologize in advance i'm gonna butcher his name uh timor fazadinov um he took a puck it was a routine play and it was just a dump in at the at center ice and he took the puck off the side of his head and you know he had to go to the hospital he ended up passing away he was only 19 years old um, I don't know much about the player. I know he was the captain of his team at 19 years old. So just terrible news on such a routine, you know, how many times do you see every game, you know, you know, even multiple times on a certain shift where guys are dumping the puck in from center ice 
to go on the four check and it just you know took it was a crazy crazy hop and it just it hit him right on the side of the head and that you know fortunately he had passed away so Timur I'm really sorry that I'm butchering his name Timur Fazadinov, uh, 19 years old passed away yeah young dude obviously anytime you anytime you're that young no matter for what reason you're dying it's it's crappy but um, really good team guy from what I read out of his, from I read out of reports there. Everybody thought he had a bright future with the club team. Um, it just, I can't even imagine like having to see that on the ice, especially this year when everyone's trying to stick together a little bit more to try and get through like the really crappy times of the world right now. So, I mean, obviously hats off to his family and his teammates, you know, wishing them all the best. But then that, that was a gut punch, definitely. Our condolences to everybody, his family, friends, teammates, coaches, anybody, you know, we're thinking of you and, you know, just a really sad and unfortunate, you know, something that happens, you know, all the time in games. And it just shows that, you know, just, it's a dangerous game. It's So it's something that we take for granted. So um, moving on from that, um, the, the way we're going to end the podcast this week, um, typically we... What we've been doing the past couple of weeks, we would do the Geek Stat of the Week. Um, this week, I gave Nick the week off on the Geek Stat of the Week because we're going to do a little segment this week since we're basically every team is either right at the halfway mark, they just passed it, or they're right, like they're a game or two away. We're going to do three disappointments on the season and three surprises. So forward, defenseman, goaltender. Three disappointments, and I'm going to nominate myself to go first. So, <laughs> forward, I'm going to start with the disappointments. This is one that I did not see coming based on the year that he had last year, the way that he ended the season before the COVID pause, really the way his team ended the season before the COVID pause. And I know, I know a lot of people are going to think I'm picking on this guy because of the team he plays for. That is 100% not why I'm doing it. I actually like this player. I think he should be the captain of the team, if you want me to be quite honest with you. And that's Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers. Mika Zibanejad, 40-goal scorer last year, um, led the NHL in goals per game. Um, he, you know, you had that amazing highlight game he had last year. He had five goals against the Capitals, including the overtime winner. Um, three goals and 11 points in 27 games for Mika Zibanejad. Um, I think that's one thing that you can't take away is that he did have COVID before the season started. So maybe that's something that is maybe kind of sapped his strength or how he wasn't able to get in a rhythm early on, but you know, three goals and 11 points and a minus five for Mika Zibanejad. Not exactly what the Rangers were looking for out of, you know, a guy who's a leader on this team. Yeah, I had him on the list too. It, it was tough because, you know, I think once Panarin left, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I don't know how much shuffling Dan Quinn has done with his top six in terms of moving guys around. But, yeah, I think a lot of those guys up front for the Rangers have been kind of underachieving this year. I expect a little bit more from Lafreniere. Um, I'd say outside of Chris Kreider, because he's got 14 goals. He's been yeah. an absolute beast the past couple yeah. of weeks. All right. So 
the guy that I had at the top of my list was a dude that I thought was actually going to get traded at some point or given like a long-term extension. Um, Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, Jake DeBrusque. He was one of my guys I picked too. Yeah, Jake DeBrusque in 20 games this year has two goals and was even healthy scratched a couple weeks ago by Bruce Cassidy because of his effort. Now, of all things, like, Jake DeBrusque should never be knocked for is his effort. And I don't know what's going on. I haven't heard of him having any type of COVID-related issues. But, you know, he was expected to be a really big part of this franchise going forward. And it's just not working there. I mean, he's been relegated to the third and fourth line, which if you know anything about the Bruins, you know, one, they have trouble scoring five on five, and two, they don't have very good center depth. So it's it's a really ugly-looking situation for a guy who's only 24. Yeah, two goals, six points in 20 games, like you said, the, the healthy scratch. I mean, he's just been a flat-out, and it's, you know, the name of the segment here, flat-out disappointment for the Boston Bruins who have – no, they have Stanley Cup aspirations every year. When you're wheeling out, you know Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, and Rask every night, you know you're looking to win, and they aren't going to wait for Jake DeBrus to kind of figure this thing out. So honestly, to see him get scratched was not surprising after hearing why he got scratched. Because if the effort's not there, they're looking to win every night. So you know if the effort's not there, see you later, bro. Yeah. Um, Some other guys I had on my list too. I had Taylor Hall, and then I put. All Nashville forwards except Philip Forsberg because it's trying watching them try to score goals is painful. Uh, yeah, dumpster fire. It, it's terrible, absolutely terrible watching the Nashville Predators. Like it, they're on, they're unwatchable. There, there's one thing to be bad. Like you can be bad, but when you're boring too, I mean that's I have no time for that. If you're gonna be bad and boring, I hate that. Um, okay. So this is a guy who has my defenseman disappointment. This is a guy who has kind of picked it up in the last, um, nine or nine, 10 so games. Um, this was a guy I think I picked to at least be a finalist for the Norris trophy, a guy who dominated in the bubble. Uh, Miro Haskinen. So Haskinen, this month, he does have six points in nine games. So he has been kind of, you know, turning it up a little bit. But before then, I mean, just before this month started, he had nine points. I mean, he was just, he looked lost out there. I mean, Dallas, they they did have the late start to the season. Um, Basically, everybody outside of Joe Pavelski has really been struggling. But... You know, this is a guy who I expected to be near the top of the Norris Trophy list after the way that he performed in the bubble and kind of put the stars on his back, so to speak, the way he played in the bubble. So I had Miro Haskin in as my disappointment for a defenseman. Yeah, I didn't even think about that one, but that makes good points now that everything that you listed out. Thanks. Um, I had Nate Schmidt at the top of my list. Yeah, I thought about him. It just The Canucks as a whole... What a disappointment. It's, it's, Nate Schmidt was supposed to be a guy who kind of could replace like Brandon Tanev. Um, and it's just like, there, there's one thing where if you're expected to try and put up points, then yes, you're going to give up goals and chances against. But Nate Schmidt was just expected to be a good, solid defensive defenseman, and he hasn't been. 
I mean, just when I did the deep dive on the Nate Schmidt on or on the Vancouver Canucks, like Nate Schmidt was just like jumping off the page for all the wrong reasons, like bad pinches, terrible breakout passes, turnovers in his own zone, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, what? This is the guy that was playing that that played for Vegas last year and was playing so well. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of buyer's remorse going on right now, probably with with Vancouver on couple of different contracts, but yeah, in especially. For sure. For sure. Um, and nobody would know more about the Vancouver Canucks than you after the excellent deep dive that you had. Um, all right, moving on to the goaltenders, and boy, oh boy, is this one going to hurt for me to say. Again, another guy who's been playing a little bit better, you know, the past week or so. But he was playing so bad, he might be the primary reason that his coach got canned. And that's Mr. Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price, not too long ago, it like wasn't even close. He was the best goalie in hockey. He was unbelievable. Hart Trophy, Vesna, whatever you want to say. It was like, and I believe it was Jeff Merrick who said this, a great line that I sent to you. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm already forgetting it. But he said, Carey Price is an excellent goalie who was a great goalie who's now just a good goalie. He said, it looks like Carey Price is just guessing at this point. And his, you know, for most of the season, his goals against the, or sorry, save percentage was under, you know, 90%. Um, he was giving up goals left and right. He was getting pulled. You know, Jake Allen was, you know, starting over him. There's six years left on his deal at a $10.5 million cap hit. If Carey Price can't, you know, I mean, he's not going to be, you know, his heart trophy level form, I don't think, again. But if he can't get anywhere close to that, that is an albatross of a contract for six more years. That hurt me to say so bad. Yeah, I when I when I saw the Jeff Merrick interview, to me it it that just sounded like regular Canadian media. Like, <laughs> yeah, Price hasn't played well, okay, but is he still has a ninety-one save percentage, which is about average in the NHL. And yeah, he's not the Hart Trophy candidate that he once was. No goalie at thirty-three is, but. <laughs> The dude needs help, man. Like, that whole decor has played so bad. And part of the reason he keeps getting pulled is because Jake Allen, you could argue, is one of the biggest surprises in that in the NHL. And I think Seattle's going to take a really long look at Jake Allen's tape this year and say, is this the guy that we can plug and play and be like our Marc-Andre Fleury, kind of our backbone next year? And, yeah, I, I, he hasn't been great. Right, I will readily admit that, but I still think he's gone through these types of stretches before in his career, and he's always worked his way out of them. To me, it's always going to be about the postseason with him. If he's not the same, if he's not like a great goalie in the playoffs, then yeah, I will ready. I will be ready to say that. Okay, who's your guy, Mister Smarty Pants? For me, it's Carter Hart. Oh yeah, oh man, and it doesn't pain me to say that. Carter Hart, I mean. You want to talk about looking lost in net and kind of guessing at pucks? I mean, I think I've seen him get pulled three or four times 
I mean, he got pulled when they played the Sabres, which, like, come on, that's got to tell you something. But he's got a 7-6 and six record. His save percentage dropped to 884, which is by far the worst in the National Hockey League among qualifying goaltenders. And he just, again, he's a young guy, but he stood up all of last year, played really well, and he looks like he's just playing so deep in his net, and he's giving these, and he's giving, he's off all of these angles and giving these shooters all these corners to pick. And it's like, dude, what happened? Now, I will say this he's 22. Right, still super young, still learning. I think he'll be fine. But like a huge part of the reason that I picked Philly to win this division was because of Carter Hart. And that's I I think winning the division for them is probably gonna be out of the question if he can't snap out of it. Yeah, Carter Hart. I'm gonna pull his stats up for you. New York radio, New York radio. Um goaltending. Here he is. Carter Hart. He started seven games. He has a three six one goals against. He started seven games? No, he started sixteen games. He's got seven wins. No. Why does ESPN say he's only played seven games? He's got seven wins. Because you're looking at you're talking about ESPN who doesn't like to cover hockey. No way. Hang on. This says I'm looking at Steven Sats right here from the Flyers net from the Flyers website. Games why? played seventeen, games started sixteen. Yeah, why is Wait. that? Yeah, seven, six, and three. Yeah, why is that's weird. <laughs> oh well, but yeah, you're right. Okay, moving on. Um, all right, so moving on to our surprises, a little more you know fun way to end the end the podcast. I'm I'm ready to apologize. Okay, I said Maybe. a lot. Or- I'm also breaking my rule. I have two, not really surprises, but just, just like joys to watch. I want to apologize to the Florida Panthers. I said a lot of really, really mean things. I said how, I mean, I feel like they were warranted at the time, but anyway, they were poorly run. They gave all the money to the goalie. You know, they made stupid, I said the Hornquist move was a bad move. I said the declare move like didn't make sense. I said, you know, a lot of stuff. I don't need to go through all of it. But by God, are Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov not an absolute pleasure to watch play hockey? Those two guys are your biggest surprises? Not really surprised. I guess like it's surprises slash like, I don't know, but... I don't know how to word it, but damn, I I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't bring up how fun it has been to watch. I find myself watching like on NHL Center Ice, by the way, or NHL.TV, whatever it's called. Um, I watch more Panthers games than like any other team because I want to watch those two guys play and Keith Yan. But I want to watch those two guys mostly because of how good they are. So for my biggest surprises following the actual rules of this segment, I, I had Patrick I on cheated. my list. I had Patrick Hornquist. Oh, go Panthers! Guy, am I right? I mean, that dude's career has been absolutely rejuvenated, right? Like, remember the offseason narrative, like, oh, Pittsburgh's finally dumping the dead weight. Patrick Hornquist is just going to go down there and tan and collect a tax-free paycheck. I heard he spray tans. I heard it's spray tan. Yeah, whatever. But I mean, he's <laughs> been to me the secret sauce for that line. But the guy I actually picked was Joe Pavelski. 
because oh, yeah. what a, what I a thought year. after last year, Pavelski was going to be a candidate to get bought out, but he's already scored as many goals this year as he did last year. He's already reached that 14-goal mark. And, I mean, like you said, Heiskanen and their decor isn't playing real well, but they're finally getting more contributions from their offense. And he's been a huge lift for that team right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely a surprise. You knew he had it in him, but you didn't expect it. Yeah. Speaking of guys who you knew had it in him, but didn't expect it. My defenseman is Drew Doughty. What a year Drew Doughty is having out in L.A. A big reason, you know, and not only him, you know, Andre Kopitar is having a fantastic season. Dustin Brown as well. We could have put him as our surprises. Um, but Drew Doughty, I figured he was just done. I mean, last year, all the money he makes, you know, 35 points in 67 games, you know, 45 points the year before, you know, not really a shell of himself, but wasn't putting up the numbers that we knew he could put up. And in 27 games, he's got 22 points and he's just still the same pain in the ass to play against. It's still hilarious watching him, you know, instigate. And now he's putting up points as well. He's a leader on the team. You know, Drew Doughty is my surprise. Much like the LA Kings themselves are just a nice surprise. Because we had them in the basement with Anaheim. Yeah, so you'll love this, right? So, same team, other side of the deep pair. I picked Mikey Anderson as my pace. All right! All right, the LA Kings. They're currently five points out of a playoff spot, but... They're better than I expected them to be. <laughs> so Mikey Anderson, he's only got six points this year, right? But everything about the guy screamed AHLer. Fourth round pick, you know, not real big, not real fast. And yet this dude has climbed his way to the top head to play alongside you, Gaudi. And I mean, jeez, like just as solid and as sturdy as they come, just makes the smart play all the time. Um, Tom McClellan raves about his ability to anticipate the play and the puck, which is so rare for a defenseman his age to be able to do it. And to play on that on that team, you know, with a lot of vets, you know, that are still trying to prove that they have more gas left in the tank, for you to kind of sneak onto that top pair alongside somebody like Drew Doughty who's going to the Hall of Fame, like, good for him. And good to see for the Kings. Yeah, shout out to Kings. We're... I'd say I think it's safe to say we like the Kings on this podcast. I think it's safe to say. Yeah, it's it. It's safe to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, just wait till those two young studs they have get up there. Um, and now, be proud of me that I didn't take Nick Letty to be my surprise for defenseman. Nick Letty has se- Nick Letty has seventeen assists. But you didn't think I wouldn't go this entire list without picking an Islander. So you're going for goalie? Is that what you? Is this your pick for goalie right now? Semyon Varlamov is my pick in goal. Now you might think, "Come on, Eric, he had such a great bubble run. You got to expect him to, you know, have another great season." I didn't expect him to play like this. Semyon Varlamov, the guy that you always wanted to get rid of for like four years in a row. Well, he's only been there for two years, so. <laughs> oh, never mind. I thought I still thought you were talking about Letty. No, well, I I need to apologize to Nick Letty because I was like, let's trade him because he makes five and a half million. But he's been their best defenseman. Him and Ryan Pollock have been the two best defensemen this year. Um, Samuel Varlamov is thirteen five and three, 
with a 208 goals against. He has a save percentage of 926. If you were to make Vesna candidates per division, I think he's far and away the Vesna candidate for the Eastern Division. He, there have been games, he, well, he started off the season two straight shutouts. It was kind of like a preview of how the season was going to go. He has been as rock steady as you could possibly be in net. He's stolen games for them. I'm thinking of the one nothing game against Boston earlier in the year where Peugeot scored late in the game. That was one of his three shutouts. Um, Semyon Varlamov has been sensational for the New York Islanders. He's my surprise in that. Okay. So my guy is coming from the same division. And I'm going to butcher his name. <laughs> but Vitek Vanacek. Vitek Vanacek. You were close. Like, think about when we were talking about, like, earlier in the year. Like, Henrik Lundqvist, unfortunately, has to go out with his with his heart conditions and his heart problems. And we were all like, well, that, stick a fork in him because who the hell do they have left in that? And... I thought it was going to be Ilya Samsonov taking the taking the reins for goal, but it's been this kid. I mean, 21 starts, you know, 2.7 goals against average, and he's just he's made all the saves that he's had to, and he's made a few saves that he shouldn't have. And that's the best way that I can describe him. But for a 25-year-old goaltender, not really a ton of experience over here in North America, and playing against in a really good division where you're facing forwards like Crosby, Malkin, uh, Barzell, you know, Eichel, night in and night out, guys like that, Bergeron, Pasternak. And this dude has done more than hold his own. And I think, like, like you were talking about, you know, he's been the absolute backbone of his team. And his success early on, I kind of thought, nah, you know, this won't last. Guys will figure him out. But, you know, his first couple starts were kind of like the start of things to come for him for the season. Yeah, he's been good. I've seen a lot of the Capitals, obviously, with them playing either the Rangers, Devils, or Islanders because I get those three with MSG. So he's been excellent in the games that I've watched. So to end the podcast, I just Googled this day in hockey history. So on this day in 1982, Wayne Gretzky scored his 10th hat trick of the season and added two assists in the Oilers' 10-4 blowout of the Pittsburgh Penguins. His two assists gave him 111, breaking his own single-season assist record. He finished the 81-82 season with 92 goals, 120 assists, and 212 points, all of which are still NHL records to this day. So 111 assists in a season? Yeah, well, he finished with 120. Let's not sell him short now. Dudes can't even get 120 points, let alone 120 assists nowadays. Like, goons can't even get 120 penalty minutes. <clears throat> you want to talk about points? Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, another reason to call him the great one. Nick, anything else you got for me while we wrap this puppy up? No, I don't think so. I mean, continue to follow along. There's going to be more news, I think, spilling over. A couple more guys are going to be headed for Milestone soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, trade deadline season. Hello. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to tell you guys right now, don't mute the pod, but if you don't want to hear me tweet about how much I want Taylor Hall to go to the Islanders, just mute me. It's fine. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you later.